And whilst you do that, we've got Kids Church in the cafe area. So if you've got kids, they are more than welcome through the double doors, through the double doors again. Um, yeah, I hope you guys have a blessed time through there. I think Tammy is organizing things with a big smile on her face. And Jono, cool, already. Cracking. Good stuff. Alrighty, let's get into it, team. Matthew chapter 6. Let's crack the spines of those Bibles open. Turn on the tablet. Matthew chapter 6. We'll get straight into it. Starting at verse 1. What translation, Tanya, you ask? I am in the ESV, but feel free to use other translations. Okay. Verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up, treasure, uh, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there, is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness." If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate this one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Alrighty, we'll pause there. Am I getting some feedbacks, like static stuff going on? Oh yeah, okay. Righty, eh? Front pocket. Alrighty. Okay. Cracking. I'll turn this one off. 
Okay. How are we doing? One, two, one, two, one, two. I was overhearing your story this morning of the your Chinese uh, friends doing one, two in Chinese, and you're like, what are they doing? What, what are and then you realize it was Chinese, yeah. That was funny. Um, okay, alrighty. So when I was in England, I was doing youth work in England, and I ended up doing three weeks in a youth work organization in Islington. And um, for those who don't know the London, London boroughs very well, this is deep Arsenal territory for those who like football. Uh, is anyone waiting on the results? Stick up a hand from earlier. You don't want the result mention of the football? Great. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, mate. Commiserations. Um, so this was like deep Arsenal territory. And I've got this thing going. I'm not going to rub it in for Steve. I've got this thing going where... Um, if I'm working with young people and we're doing like table tennis or we're doing football, um, I love the team element. I love just kind of getting alongside them, particularly if someone's low on confidence. I love building them up. I just love that, that ability to, to chat with young people and connect with young people in that way. Um, however, if someone comes in and says, all right, Seb, I'm going to thrash you at table tennis today, it is on. Like, it is on. And so I was in Islington, and um, this kid, I think he was about nine years old, was like, oh, Seb, come play FIFA with me. Um, the football game on the PlayStation, and I'm like, cool, I'll do that. I was never a PlayStation person, so I think that was the first time I played FIFA when I was like 23 or something. And so we're playing, and it's cool, and then he scores, and he is in my face. Like, he is rubbing it in, this nine-year-old kid. And suddenly I've kind of gone from soft to like the jaw is set. Like I am drawing on all my football experience, every single game I've watched. I am like trying to focus on all that he's told me about the controls and what they do. And so I'm like, right, I'm going to get you. And so I'm in the front foot. I'm front foot, top gear, and I'm concentrating. And then my midfielder gets the ball. I've always loved a through ball. So I hit the Y button, I think, which was the through ball button, the yellow one. And this ball just goes along the ground, coasting through his midfield, past his sweeper, past his defenders, onto my striker, who takes one touch, and then another to nutmeg the keeper. I go nuts in his face. Like I go full football fan. Here's this 23-year-old and a nine-year-old. I'm just going for it, man. I'm like, yes, get in there. Come on, mate. And I'm just, yeah, really in his face. And he's sucking his teeth and rolling his eyes. Thankfully, he had to go home three minutes later, so he ended up a one-all draw. Otherwise, he would have beaten me. I did not let him forget that for the next few minutes. Um, <laughs> a few minutes, a few days even. And so that's a silly little story, but... And a very tenuous link to the point I want to make now, and that is that we enter Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is on the front foot. He is not squashing a nine-year-old's hopes in FIFA, but he is on the front foot nonetheless. He is flowing. He is teaching. He's been teaching since the beginning of chapter 5, and we've been hearing about that in previous weeks. And I think a brief look at the chapters, not just... Um, preceding, and, but also preceding from, from chapter 6, we can see that... Um, that he is really flowing in, in, in this teaching mode, and he's covering a lot of ground. Robert mentioned this verse, or two verses, a few weeks ago, um, in chapter 7, verses 28 to 29. And it says, When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. 
I think, first of all, before we dive even, dive even deeper into chapter 6, that word authority is so interesting. He was electrifying. He was packed with revelation. Just hearing his words was stirring up excitement. It was reaching into the depths of the listeners, connecting with their internal stuff, things they weren't even aware of. He had authority. He was bringing freedom, excitement, knowledge, breakthrough. And people were hanging on his every word. I think as well, another thing, um, just about this, this chapter and this area we're in at the moment with, with Jesus um, preaching, is that, and particularly in chapter 6, being active as a Christian, as a follower of God, is assumed. If we look at this chapter, we see the, the phrase, when you, mentioned four times. I'm going to go a bit more central. There we go. Uh, it's mentioned four times. And we have, when you give, when you pray, when you pray, and when you fast. Not if, when. We also have um, the fact that Jesus mentioned seeking secrecy for action rather than the attention or appreciation for others is deeply encouraged. Not that everything has to be done in secret and everything of our Christian faith is black ops, but there is still something being really mined in that area by Jesus. The Father seeing what is done in secret and rewarding is mentioned three times. And also the Father knowing our needs is mentioned twice as well. And I think this is a big theme of the chapter of, of Jesus constantly pointing to his Father. Well, it's a big theme of the Gospels. It's a big theme of Jesus' life. He's constantly pointing to his Father and his Father's nature as well. And then we find ourselves at verse 25. And we're going to really zero in on this for a bit. Jesus has been saying to not focus on laying up things on earth, uh, but instead lay up things in heaven. And then he begins to uh, take it up a gear. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. Now, a very astute point would be, Jesus is clearly talking about the provision of food and finances. Uh, and we can see that in the context before. However, that phrase, your life, I think our ears should just prick at that, that all-encompassing phrase. And if that's not enough to get us pondering, Paul in Philippians um, says, do not be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, verse 6. Hey, you with your financial issues, don't be anxious about your life. Hey, you with a serious medical condition, don't be anxious about your life. Hey, you with all the stresses about the workplace and running your business, don't be anxious about your life. Hey, you with the, the crippling anxiety, don't be anxious about your life. Imagine if Christopher Luxon is on One News and he gets asked, so... Christopher, in response to the mental health challenges that individuals and society as a whole faces in New Zealand, what do you say? What is Nationals' viewpoint? Ah, I just say, don't be anxious about your life. He would get pillared. He would get absolutely nailed in the press. I mean, a week is a long time in politics, but I think we'd be finding a new national leader would potentially be around the corner. I mean, imagine the headlines. Insensitive? Callous? 
blasé, out of touch, unrealistic. And I've had countless moments of journeying with people, young and old, um, who have had crippling social anxiety, huge amounts of fear, suicidal thoughts, suicidal plans, um, just a lot of stuff in this area of anxiety. And I don't think I've ever opened with just don't be anxious about your life. <laughs> so, why say that, Jesus? I think we can read these words sometimes, particularly if we're used to them, like don't, do not be anxious about your life, and you're like, yeah, good one, Jesus. Um, but, but why is he saying that? How, what, what's going on here? And why is Paul's, Paul saying this as well about don't be anxious about anything? What makes Jesus' tone of words different to what I've just done and said? Key biblical principle for understanding uh, this verse, read the bits before, read the bits after until it all makes sense. And I think from doing that, we get two inseparably linked points which really crack our question here. First and foremost, the people in that moment were experiencing the pure, unfiltered, gentle and lowly, lovely, loving heart of God. How could he say it? He really had authority. And I'm going to come in again on this point. This isn't just a power trip from Jesus by saying these things. This is a society, we've got to remember, that has prized teaching. It has prized the oral traditions. It has prized teachers. We have figures like Hillel, who, um, before Jesus' time, had scores of followers Immense teacher in, in the Jewish society. We have Gamaliel, who's mentioned in Acts chapter 22, verse 3, who Paul came from Tarsus to sit at the feet of. These are heavyweights, and just to name two heavyweights. This society is used to exceptional teaching and oratory skills. But the people were experiencing something different here, as has been said in the last few sermons. They were experiencing perfect love from Jesus' words, his tone, his eyes, his movements. They were being drawn in by all of that, drawn into intimacy. And looking at these passages, Jesus can't help but mentioning his Father. Jesus is the way. He is the way revealed by the Holy Spirit to the Father. And in that place, stuff changes. I think there's a lot of hands that could raise, uh, be raised right now in answer to that who would say, yes, I've seen that. In that place, stuff changes. The Bible tells us that we are literally transformed. We are renewed, the seemingly impossible made distinctly possible, and the supernatural made natural. And anxiety is undone. And so that is the first point of just that intimate place where stuff changes with God. And then secondly and I think some of you practical ones will really like this, he leaves us with clear instruction. I deliberately haven't mentioned verses 26 to 34 yet. And let's get into it together, because his words, with such clear precision in these following verses, are both reaching into and connecting with our internal depths. And he is giving us very clear pointers, promises, proverbs, and principles. Four Ps. Nice little bit of alliteration there. And I think there's eight clear ones we can get that's five. Eight clear ones we can get from the passage. So let's look at it. Let's look at verse 25 and start from there. And I'm going to rattle through these. So if we could hit the next slide, please, Leslie. That'd be cracking. Thanks. Um, cool. Verse 25. Ordering our actual priorities 
And I'm going to go through this with you. I'm going to get into my Bible too. Alrighty. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Ordering actual priorities. Verse 26, truth found in perspective. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Our identity as a son and daughter of God, verse 26 again. Are you not of more value than they? The futility of anxiousness exposed in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his or her span of life? The promises of God in verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 32. The nature of God. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows. He cares. Verse 33, alternative focus of our attention. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto you. And he even gives us a catchy phrase or proverb in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. And I think it's quite clear at this point, those principles are not just um, applicable to food and finance in terms of anxiety. I think it's applicable to all forms of anxiety. I reckon those eight keys come alive for us as we are encountering God and intimate with him. Those two inseparably linked points that I've just mentioned there. And it really is possible for anxiety to melt as we choose to let ourselves meet the tender, loving care of our Father. And I totally would include in that prayer ministry um, of varying sorts, counseling, uh, professional help when needed, um, all these various forms to just chatting with a mate, you know, that full you know, peer support, that full spectrum of, of support and the ways that that can happen, as well as just one-to-one with God. But I think he's given us eight real key things there. Now, I'm going to probably land with a few stories um, and just, yeah, kind of stories, yeah. Uh, examples, probably more than stories. And I kind of want to, I, I really felt as I was praying about this passage, I mean, this, this chapter's huge, right? We could spend the rest of the year looking at chapter six and then some. Um, but I really felt it about a month and a half ago, two months ago, to, I was just really sensing, like, to, to, to focus on my generation and younger, with this whole do not be anxious about your life thing that Jesus says. Because the reality is that our, my generation and younger, probably about three generations, I would say, depending on how you view generations, although we're all one generation because we're here now, but you get what I mean. My age group and younger are crippled with anxiety, and I think as, as youth pastors, it's an interesting one of do we mention it, do we not mention it? Like are we giving it more airtime in a negative way, but then we need to hit the... We need to crack it, you know? We need to hit the nail on the head with that one and really not back down from it. It's a real challenging one. How can we convey this good news that Jesus brings to my generation and those younger than me? How are they going to overcome anxiety? And I don't think it's going to be as simple as reading out Matthew 6, 24, 25 to 34. And I hope people are impacted today by this preach, but 
a preacher on this is not going to be sufficient as well. That's not me belittling preaching and teaching, um, but I just, I'll, I'll explain why I'm saying this. I don't think that's going to be sufficient. And I think we've got a journey with people. We've got to disciple people. Um, and I'm really feeling it in my spirit, like this whole generational thing that these guys have been mentioning in recent weeks. I've been feeling it before they even mentioned it. The message, next slide please. That'd be awesome, Leslie, thanks. The message and way of Jesus was always meant to be worked out by us through discipleship and family. Heather gave um, such a good message a few years ago. I think I've referenced her message before up here, and I uh, referenced this exact point, but she mentioned at the start of her talk on Mother's Day a few years ago that she just had a moment where she needed to know the love of God. She needed to know the love of God. She knew God loved her. She knew that. She believed it. But she said she just needed to know the love of God with skin on. And then I think in that moment, one of her pets came in to give her a, a, a snuggle or something, and it really... Um, yeah, it was a really touching moment for her. And I think similarly, young people need love with skin on. And I think they really need spiritual mums and dads. They really need family. If you were to look at 1 Corinthians 11, verse um, 1, you would read, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul talking there. And I think if you wanted a, a verse or a sentence which sums up discipleship, that would be a pretty good one. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And so very simply today, I want to stir up the fire that we've already got in this area in church. Because I don't feel when I look out, I, I'm looking at some, some logs which are wet and maybe like a few twigs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where are we going to get a fire going there? I look out and I see fire already. I look out and I see quality folk. I see people who carry a mother and father heart. I see people who are already doing this in ways that I'm aware of and ways that I'm not even aware of. So I'm literally here to... Not necessarily just blow on the fire. I'd rather chuck in an aerosol can or something. I don't recommend aerosol cans and fires. It, it not, not... Okay, I'm glad Mike, Mike said it. Aerosol cans and fires are good. Um, I remember when I finished my uh, exams at 16, the first major ones in the UK, and we just got a bonfire with all our textbooks and all the stuff, and, and we, just, we just had a big fire. We chucked an aerosol can in, and the usual, like, it was great fun. And then we entered year 12 and got told we actually needed a lot of our books from last year, which is <sighs> great start. But anyway, this is happening in this church already. And examples, like, I love most weeks Donna and Murdo are bringing their nephew uh, along to youth group. And that's so cool. But that, it's not just that. Josh really respects Murdo. And he loves Donna as well. Like, seeing him and Donna together, it's just two pals. It's beautiful to watch. I think as well of um, hearing about Zoe and Kim and Gaylene doing their Bible study on Friday. Fridays? Cool. Sounds epic. That's so precious. That is so precious. I also, I love, um, if you go and talk to Nadia Ratre um, and you say, Nadia, what happens on Thursdays? She will pause and then a big grin will come on her face and she will go, Grandma Day! She loves Grandma Day with Brenda on Thursdays. It is so cool. And I had the privilege of being there one day when Brenda arrived. And Brenda comes through the door and goes, it's Grandma Day. And everyone's getting amped up. And it's so special to see. But with this, I'm not just talking about biological family. If anything, I'm actually probably focusing more on kind of like I need spiritual family. You know, us being family together. 
And again, just a few examples of that. I'm picking on the same people here, and I know that this is happening so much already in our church, but the Ben family, my word. Once you're one of Heather's cubs, you're one of Heather's cubs. You know, she loves beautifully in that way. Donna's got such a father's heart. So special. Again, Kat and Caleb, there's been a couple of times when I've phoned them up and said, look, we need someone who needs, to, who needs a, just a home for a few weeks. And they're like, yep, yeah, sure, cool. And they, they have loved on those people. So special. For like Jeanette, where is, where's Jeanette? Where, where are you, Jeanette? Jeanette. I've read Jeanette's book in probably about three or four hours. I inhaled it. And it's been such a privilege knowing you since I've been here, mate. And like, we've got an absolute legend in the house. Like, Jeanette gets this. Jeanette gets this. Jeanette was doing this when I was in nappies. Like, she really gets this. And honestly, if you've not read her book, I have, I have not been told to plug it, <laughs> but this is a plug. Like, read it. Seriously. It was like reading some of the books um, I read years ago of like James O. Fraser and Hudson Taylor. Phenomenal what God has done in your life, Jeanette, and the courage you've shown has been astonishing. Um, we've got such a rich wealth in this church, and again, I'm just staring up. Stirring up that family stuff. John and, and Lynn. One of the things I love about John and Lynn um, is they, they have a word for someone and they will share it. And <laughs> I love this. I love it so much. And like, you guys do it in such a safe, kind, loving way. And I've been on the receiving end of that so many times. Like even, even earlier, I went to leave the prayer meeting and John came out and caught me and said, has anyone prayed for you yet? And then just prayed for me. I remember one time John had a word um, for a young person who was a friend of someone's, um, and he just came up to me and said, oh, is it okay if I share a word? And I'm like, bro, you, you go for it. I know John. I trust him inside out. Um, and he goes up and he, he shares this word to this young person, and John's tearing up. This young person's tearing up. They haven't been in church in months. And in that moment, they have experienced the Father's heart. Yeah. Yes. They have experienced do not be anxious about your life. Because it's not just a bit of knowledge and clear instructions. It is encountering the Father's heart that undoes anxiety. Truly. It was stunning to watch. And here's the thing. John crossed the room. John crossed the room. The Father's heart initiates. Think about Luke chapter 15. Before the Son can even get his apology, his pre-planned apology out, the Father has hitched up his robes, undignified, and run to the son and bear-hugged him. You read the passage, the son doesn't even get the apology out of his mouth. He's probably so stiflingly caught up in the bosom of his father. The father's heart initiates. And that's what I want to stir up the father's heart in us. And it's such a privilege to journey with, with someone who's younger than yourself. And I, I love it. Yeah, sure, it's my job as the youth pastor here. Um, I'll mention that in a moment, though. I'll touch upon that again. But, it, oh, man, it's such a privilege. And if you want to grow in this, um, just a little side note. We've got a course in July. I actually asked if we could have this course. It's a coaching course. And so in that sense, it's, it's teaching people um, to uh, grow in their skills of coaching someone, asking questions, active listening, um, really being there for someone in a sort of coaching way. But I guarantee you, because I've done it myself, if you go, it will grow your um, relational skills and abilities in both professional and personal contexts. 
Every single personal and professional relationship you have, it would grow. Marriage, friendship, you name it. Highly, highly recommend that. But anyway, a few stories as well. I just want to chuck out there, uh, stories again, examples from my own, my own walk. And look, this is not a look at Seb. It's, I get things wrong a lot. But I have a huge passion in this area. I have a huge passion. A uh, young person who, and I'm going to mix it up, so those of you who try and guess who I'm talking about, you're not going to be able to because it's over 11 years, two different countries, good luck, no chance. But I, this young person I, I got chatting with once Grew up in church, church leadership, was, um, their, their parents were in church leadership, and I just got chatting to them, they're 17 years old, and within 30 minutes, oh, I think it was about a 30 to 40 minute chat, and first of all, it just started asking me, you know, what was it like growing up in church, how was it, how was it with God and like your faith journey, and after a while, I sort of asked, because they're a bit of a joker type character, is the smile on, and I really felt the Lord asked this, uh, put this on my, in my mind, I said, is the smile on the inside the same as the smile on the outside? And then I was also noticing that, man, there's some bags under those eyes that a 17-year-old shouldn't have. And there's just something in the eyes. Like, there was something, like, just not, there was a sadness in the eyes. Um, and, but just, just through looking and caring and listening. And I said, look, I don't know if you've got people to talk with about this, but I'd love to journey with you. Um, not offended if you don't want to. That's all good. Um, but I would love to journey with you. And he said, yeah, no, actually, I've never opened up to anyone to that extent before. And, you know, man, what an honor. And I've loved journeying with that person since. What an honor. Like, such a special moment. Heartbreaking that a 17-year-old grows up in church and gets to that point. Heartbreaking. But what an honor. Another young person, um, again, similarly, I've just journeyed with them um, for, for a wee while now, quite a wee while. Um, I, this, this one, journey with, with this person has been a real privilege because um, they've been in such deep end anxiety in all, all sorts of forms and man they opened up to me the other day about how they were sexually abused when they were younger um, and it was again such a privilege to listen to that and I've heard so many stories over the last 11 years I feel like I've had a lifetime's worth in some ways and more than but man what an honor to be trusted in that what an honor. And man, I just think if, if, I, hadn't, if I hadn't approached this, this young lad and journeyed with him, and we've seen a lot of fruit in our chats, a lot of fruit. Man, he just needed someone to listen and care. And you know what? Some of the times with the chats, yeah, it does help having an understanding of trauma um, and having trained up in, in suicide prevention and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of young people just need someone to listen and care. I just need a father or a mother. And, you know, those are quite deep-end things, but, you know, discipleship and doing this in family, it can, it can just be really light and fun and start really cash as well. Like, as you probably have already sussed out, I, I really love Kat and Caleb and know them pretty well. And um, <laughs> on Fridays, Kat's, Kat's sussed that I swim on Wednesdays and Fridays at QE2. And so she said, well, after you've done your swim, do you mind looking after the kids so I can do some lengths? And I was like, yeah, sure, cool. And so I rock, rock up, and she's like, Phoebe's asleep. There are the kids. You're good to go. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, you know, like me, Nadia, and, and Ezra are just chilling out, and Phoebe's sleeping at the side. And they've got these, like, rings, you know, like uh, float rings type thing, donut jobbies. And um, 
Like some of the kids have got one, but there's like 30 stacked on the side. I'm like, these aren't for decoration. Let's go get them. So I like come back with a whole pile of it, and Nadia's suddenly got six, and suddenly looks like HMS Victory at Trafalgar, just blasting her way through all the young people and the adults. I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? But we had a whale of a time. We had a whale of a time. And that's, that's part of it. It's just having fun. Journeying with people is such a gift. And here's the thing. I said this earlier. You know, it's partly my role as a youth pastor. But you can be a youth pastor to many and a father to none. And I've said it before. I do not want to be a youth pastor to many and a father to none. I really don't. Next slide, please. If the band would like to come up, that'd be awesome. Thanks, guys. This generation is crying out for mothers and fathers who reflect the father's heart, his posture, words, and actions which drip with do not be anxious about your life. That drip with it. We, uh, we have a monthly gathering here in the city amongst youth pastors. And um, as you can imagine, a, a room full of youth pastors, there's a lot of laughs. Um, the icebreaker questions usually have us roaring with laughter. Um, but we were talking at one point, I don't know how we got onto it, but um, probably about 30 of us in the room. And someone mentioned that the scripture where Jesus says, um, pray to the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I kid you not, we started talking about how we need to pray to the Lord for mums. You know, like we need mums. And we're just talking about the amazing work that mums do and what they, what they have as mums and that, that special thing that mums have. And of course, dads have too. But we were, um, we were talking about that. And yeah, sure, there was a few laughs because you don't really read in a theological book, pray to the Lord of the harvest for mums. But we were serious. Like we were absolutely serious. And like Mike Dodge was saying, that is our secret weapon. Mums and dads. So this is like, this, this runs deep, man. It's not just on my heart. It's on a lot of youth pastors' hearts in town, and we see it. We see the need. Um, and so for some of you today, like the Matthew chapter 6 will stir up things for yourself, your own journey with um, anxiety or being wired or all the forms that that can take. And we'd love to meet you in that and journey with you in that. But I suppose the edge that I've really brought today is thinking about others and specifically those younger than us and how we're being family and discipling them. And I'm not going to really give you a structure or anything to do with that <laughs> deliberately. It's just, I'm going to leave that between you and the Lord to figure that out. And a lot of you are already living a lot of that out anyway. Um, I'm, just, I'm just chucking the aerosol can on the fire. And I could say a lot more on this topic, but I think I'm going to wind down now. My hope and prayer this morning is that the Father heart has been stirred up in all of us. And if you're 19 or 18, it's not, you're not too young for that. I know that there's that kind of transition and you're not necessarily in that stage of life, but man, we've been doing uh, meetups with young people. Zoe's been coming along with me. Jasmine's been coming along with me. They're nailing it. Absolutely nailing it. They're so good at it. Yeah. 
Let's just wait on the Lord a moment. amazing how the enemy comes to disqualify us. Oh, I'm not cool enough. I don't know enough. Well, young people don't need more cool. (laughs) They need mums and dads. And how many people who are parents here were ready when their first child was born. (laughs) God, would you please come and stir this up in our hearts, whatever you want to do. Would you please come and stir it up? Would you please encourage those who have poured out for years in this area and are really yearning to see breakthrough? Would you come please and stir up the Father's heart for others in us? Would you please reveal the Father's heart to us afresh? Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.